you, you know, I tell you, if ever, you know, God will connect you with the right people. If you, if you just, just be obedient and follow him, he'll connect you with the right people. And I know we had a conversation not long ago about how uh, unusual the connection was and how it was made. And, and uh, it, it's just, just, uh, just the right people at the right time come together. But what happened was when Pastor called me, I mean, not two hours before he called me, of course, uh, churches are canceling all over the country. I mean, not two hours before he called me, uh, there was the church that we would be at this weekend called him and just said, Brother Benny, we're sorry. They just locked our state down. There's nothing we can do. And then, I mean, literally two hours later, you know, Pastor Scott called me. And, and uh, so I appreciate that so much. I appreciate this connection. And uh, I believe God's got given me a word for you tonight. And even as I sought the Lord during the service, and I knew where I was going tonight. I knew what I would preach. When I got up this morning, I knew the message that the Lord had laid on my heart for tonight. But even as I sought the Lord today, um, I felt something else that I needed to share. And I thought, God, do you literally want me to preach you know, a little bit on this and share on this and then get to what you, you gave me? What you, and then I began to see it come together. So, so, so uh, tonight what I want to bring to you, I believe this is going to just flow together really good. And um, I believe God's got a really good word for you tonight. So uh, just, just getting right into the word. Man, I appreciate Pastor Scott and Sandy so much. Why don't you put your hands together and thank God for the gift of this house. Amen. Man, you guys are just awesome pastors and awesome people. And I love the humility of this house. And Pastor, thank you so much for that word. I believe that. I receive that. I know that that's true. We're seeing that happening already. Uh, one of the hot spots for us right now is Oklahoma City. And we believe, now we know that, uh, that uh, IHOP is there, the National House of Prayer is in Kansas City, but I am greatly of the mind that God's going to do something really big in Kansas City. And um, I believe that this is a hot spot of God's glory and God's presence. And we're going to see God do some great things right here. So uh, we'll talk more about that in just a little bit, but let me, um, let me share some things that God showed with me showed me over the past couple of months. I just think it'll really bless you. So if you'll turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 30. And um, if, uh, if you just say amen with me every now and then, I'll be okay. Can y'all do that? But I see you guys are on it. You know, a lot of times it takes two or three times for, for people to catch it. But you guys just caught it right away. So why don't you just do it one more time so I know y'all got it. Did everybody do it? Okay, so those of, you, those of you that didn't, I'm watching you now. I got you in my scope. And uh, we're just going to keep our eye on you real tight just to make sure that you're still paying attention. And if you're, uh, if you're not paying good attention, we're just going to send Fernando over to pinch you a little bit. That'll be all right? Oh, I'm just kidding. He's like, what? <laughs> but, um, okay, so let me read this. Uh, let, me, let me just get into the meat of this tonight, share with you just for a little bit what God's going to do, and, and we're going to see what God has for us tonight. Okay, it says, in Jesus answered, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came a certain priest that way, and he saw him and passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn 
and he took care of him. And on the morrow he departed. He took out two pences and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever things spendest thou more, when I come again I will repay thee. Verse 36, And now these three thinkest of uh, was the neighbor unto him that fell amongst thieves. Lord, I thank you for this word. I ask that it challenge us, change us, and cause us to be all that we've been called to be. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, just real quick. So I can uh, build just a little bit of a foundation on what I want to share with you tonight. If you'll jump with me to Genesis 26, verse 12. Genesis 26, 12. This is, this is now. Tell your neighbor, this is now. So what I'm sharing with you tonight, this is something that comes right out of the headlines of the news. This comes right out of, um, uh, I, I guess you can't turn on CNN or Fox News or uh, MSNBC or your local news without hearing what I'm going to tell you right now. But this is going to be based on a biblical perspective. So how many of you know that Fox News is not the final word? CNN, ABC, your local news, those things are not the final word. God's word is the final word. Um, we, had, we had camp meeting last week. Now, uh, of course, in the state of Arkansas, our state is not shut down. Uh, our city's not shut down. And churches have been exempt from this from the beginning. And we have not been what would be considered a hot spot at all. And so our church practiced good stewardship. We told people, you know, to wash your hands. And we have hand sanitizer sitting around. Dad, people come in and clean everything. But we, we've had camp meetings scheduled for months. And so we went ahead and had camp meetings. And so during this time... One of the speakers said something amazing. It was a precious young lady, woman of God who preached one of the day services, and she just made the simple statement, it's amazing how we believe everything but what God says. We'll believe the person on the news. We'll believe the person we hear on the street. We'll believe all of those people, but we really struggle to believe what it is that God's saying. And so tonight I want to bring you what God's saying. Is that okay? And so it says in Genesis 26, verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And he waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very rich. So tell your neighbor he became very rich. And so even in a time of famine, even in a time of lack and less than, Isaac sowed into the land. And in the same year, he received a hundredfold. See, during a time of famine, that is the best opportunity for God's people to do something for the church. It is during the time of famine because it's very easy for us to do things when, uh, when you got all kinds of money in the bank and your savings accounts flow overflowing and your 401k is doing better than it's ever been. Now, I'm thankful that we can give during those times and we have the faith to do that. But real faith comes into play during times of famine. And uh, so when we become a people who believe for, uh, uh, for an Isaac harvest, when we sow during harder, difficult times, that's when God really gets our attention and we really get God's attention. Because, uh, again, a seed should mean something to you. So when you give something, it should mean something to you. It should have a value to you. So when you give something to the Lord, and I don't know what pastor's challenge is for Passover harvest. I know for years we have always sowed during this season. We always prayed about a seed. We always asked God, God, what should we sow? We also would always sow during the Day of Atonement. We would always, uh, we would always sow in those seasons, even, you know, even without... Uh, having revelation on that or knowing about it years ago, God would put it in my heart to 
fast during that time and seek him and uh, sow a special seed. So again, the reason I'm bringing this up is because this brings us right over to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 10, because we have a man who is walking down the road one day and he responds to what he sees taking place around him. He could not do that without a spirit of generosity. So just for a moment, I want to talk to you about a spirit of generosity. Years ago, I seen a vision of an angel standing behind my pastor with an open wallet, literally standing there with a wallet wide open, and there was money coming out of it. And my pastor went to be with Jesus in 2001, and then <clears throat> God brought my pastor now, Brother Bobby, into my life. And I remember one day I was sitting in the uh, auditorium and I looked behind brother Bobby and I saw the same thing I never really thought too much of it I knew it was blessing and it was prosperity you know those things are very easy to recognize in the church and I knew he had an anointing to encourage people to sow into the kingdom of God and there are many others that do but uh, tonight as I was sitting over here and I was just seeking God and asking the Lord Lord let me be in your vein tonight I want to be in your will let me know what you want to say to this house and as surely as I'm sitting over there I look up here and pastor is praying and seeking the Lord and talking about the blessing of God and, and begins to talk about angelic activity and, and he's binding and loosing and all of a sudden I see that same angel and I see that angel with a wallet that's wide open and I'm just going to be honest with you the Lord has never dealt with me like I'm sharing with you right now I've seen that many times in my life but I have never before tonight made the connection I want to I want to uh, give you tonight the Lord spoke to me and said that that is an angel of generosity and that the Lord has sent an angel of generosity to this house. Now we can uh, say, well, preacher, what does that mean? First of all, that the, uh, the good Samaritan that we call him could not have been a good Samaritan without a spirit of generosity in his life. He couldn't have ministered to that young man that he found on the side of the road. He couldn't have helped him had it not been for God giving him the means to bless him so that he could do everything necessary to make sure this man was taken care of. What would have happened if somebody came walking by and we're going to get into the priest and the Levite we'll get into all that in just a moment but let's just say that some discouraged broke busted disgusted look at the ground saint came walking by and looked and said I would love to help this man but I don't have an animal to put him on we would have a different story, wouldn't we? What if he would have looked around and said, you know what, I'd really like to go get him a hotel room for a couple of days, but I just, I can't do that. I just don't have the money. See, God wants the church to operate in generosity. He wants us as a people, and I say all of that because there is a spirit of generosity that is on this house, and that's why God has uh, placed his blessing so strongly upon him. Now, there are other reasons, but the Lord wants you to know that he is, uh, pleased with you and that his hand is going to move in a strong way on your behalf now people will say preacher you know I hear people talk these things and I've never experienced it first of all in order to experience the blessing of God you have got to be a tithing you have to be a tither and a giver people always you hear them always talk about giving and it's important to give that's important but we have got to give to our local church right now driving here today now, i apologize for being late we got hung up in uh poto oklahoma <clears throat> and it took us just a little longer to get through there than what it normally would have but with that being said we uh seen signs all over america today that says churches are closed until further notice 
Now, I'm not here to judge those churches tonight, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do because I'm going to come at it from a prophetic perspective. I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to say, what does it say to Father God when we say we're not going to have church? And I just, I, I believe from the heart of God that it's just very difficult for us to look at him and say, we're not going to abide by your word for whatever the reason. But then there are those that are going to come at it from a pastoral perspective, who's going to operate in great mercy and say, we have this reason and we're going to do this and this. And I'm not going to judge them and say they are ungodly or they are wrong. I'm just going to tell you, as for me and my house, we want to make sure we are in God's house when he says to be in God's house. That's a very simple thing to do. But right now, all over America, there are churches that may never recover from this. They may close their doors the moment they hung a sign up. They may never open those doors again. What an unbelievable thought. And do you know what a habit is? You understand a habit? A habit is something you do repeatedly. Do you know coming to church is a habit? That's a good habit that we have, that we do. But if we get out of that habit, what is going to happen? What about the hundreds of thousands of people, the millions of people of America that have struggled to go to church every week for whatever reason, that because of this season that we are in, this famine that we are in, they have said it's too difficult for us to go, and so we're not going to be going to church anymore. It will be very difficult for them to get back in that habit. So can you see the plan of the enemy that is operating? behind the scenes right now and even while we're trying to say we're trying to do good and we're trying to do the right things again I'm not judging I'm just saying it's just very difficult for me to look at the Father God who said you know what we're to gather ourselves together on that holy day on that Sabbath and look at him and say God we want to do that but for whatever reason we can't I'd also like to talk to you just for a moment about the tribe of Dan who became the furthest away from God's temple they said we will build temples at our own place we'll make them. We'll do this at home. We will worship at home. And then they were the first tribe that fell into witchcraft and idolatry and they became the furthest away from God. Just a little sidebar there for a moment, but in the midst of a famine, God found a way to bring hundredfold blessing into the life of Isaac. So I believe for the church right now, those that remain faithful, those that remain strong, those that will stand their ground in the midst of a famine, God is going to find a way to bless you. He's going to find a way to get blessing to you. I can tell you about in my own life, okay? We don't. We, uh, we're blessed. God's taking care of us. We operate from a budget. Uh, we have, uh, I don't, you know, if we go to a church and they give us an offering, we don't go home and that goes in the, in the Benny Baker, okay? Now, many times checks are written out to me, but everything goes through our ministry. So what will happen is tonight, pastor writes me a check. I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it into our ministry, and then that will help us with the budget that we have to travel and do other things. So that's how we operate. Uh, that's how we operate it as a church. That's how we operate every week. So sometimes you go to a place, and they give you a pat on the back and a handshake. <laughs> you know, but you're okay. Other times you go to a place and they bless you and they're generous and you're okay because no matter what, you've been a good steward. So we don't operate week to week. We, we plan. We know there are slow seasons. We know we just, we just, we've been good stewards. Okay. That being said, the very first meeting that uh, got canceled on us, I was just, I had no idea any of this was going on. Had no idea. I'd been in revival for, I guess I'd been on the road for about two weeks. I'd been held up in a little room in uh, Pella, Iowa, 
Iowa, and then I was held up in uh, uh, Peg, Oklahoma. And I mean, I, ha I didn't have a television. I had internet, and I had my cell phone, but I really don't, I don't, I don't socialize Facebook, you understand? I get on there, I, I do ministry things, maybe a word of encouragement, but there's a plan behind it. So I had no idea toilet paper was disappearing off the shelves. I called my wife and she said, hey, Betty, there's no toilet paper. I'm like, go buy some. And she said, no, you don't understand. There is no toilet paper. And uh, I'm like, okay. And she says, and there's no chicken breast. I mean, so what happened? Did chickens just lose their breast? I mean, did they just wake up one day and they're just gone? And she's like, no, people are buying chicken breasts. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, it's the corona. <laughs> I'm like, it's the what? <laughs> I've been, you know, y'all think I'm playing. I'm serious. I'm telling the truth, you know. I had no idea all this was going on. On my mind, we had a new grandbaby that was born. You know, we had, a, we had a really hard death in our ministry and in our family that was very difficult for us. I wasn't, wasn't thinking about any of those things. I was just trying to do the will of the Lord. You know, and of course, the, the pastor at the church had started talking about it a little bit, but nothing was shutting down or anything like that. I was oblivious to it. And then I come home and it's like, there's no toilet paper and there's no chicken breast and you can't buy anything. And they're talking about shutting states down. You know, as I came into Texas, there's a sign flashing that said, if you're from Louisiana, you have to be quarantined before you can come into the state. Now, I, listen, I understand all of those, but that's kind of scary stuff. You know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm 46 years old. I've never seen anything like this before. You know, never even heard of anything like this before. So that being said, there's a lot of fear going on right now. But I'm not afraid of anything. I know that God's going to take care of me. So, so the first meeting that got canceled, I was supposed to, uh, had a conference I was preaching at and then had stuff scheduled all around it. And so they called me, the, the conference was canceled. And so I had to call the people around it because it just, that just, it just wouldn't work anymore. There was no way. And so, uh, uh, that Sunday comes and we go to the mailbox and there's a, an unknown to us check in the mail for like $500. So we're rejoicing. And uh, the next day we go in and there's another check in the mail for $1,300. So uh, in the next couple of days, our budget for the week was completely met without being anywhere. And then the, we had some things come up the next week and then about every day, we got a check in the mail for $500 uh, or more just, just about every day. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because we have no reason to fear. You know, there was no talk of uh, stimulus. There was no talk of any of these kinds of things that we want to hang our hats on. I'm telling you, we don't need to hang our hat on the government of the United States of America or the systems of this world. We need to hang our hats on the fact that I am a tither and I am a giver. And I have showed in hard times and I have showed in good times. And during those times, God has always been good to me. He took me to a brook and fed me from the mouth of a raven and when no Nobody else had water to drink. He took care of me. Then he took me to Zarephath, and there was a widow that came and provided for me. Anybody getting this today? Because no matter what, God is going to make a way for us. And the reason why is so that we can be that Samaritan person that comes walking by, and we see somebody in need, we can help them. 
That's the reason God wants us blessed. The reason that you're blessed is so that you can be a blessing to your church. You can be a blessing to your community. You can be a blessing to your nation. You, you have a way. I listened to one of the greatest orators in the, uh, in the world this past month talk about it is impossible for me to reach the homeless or the hungry in my city. Has Pastor Scott what they call a megachurch? This was his words. He said, he said, it is impossible for me to reach and feed and clothe and house the homeless and the hungry in my city. He said, if I laid off every staff member, he said, if I did not draw a salary, if we sold the facilities, there is no way for us to take care of these people. Now I began to think, now please hear my heart, okay? I'm prophetic, so I want to come at it from, from a prophetic standpoint. My, my thinking on that is, that's wonderful. That's, that's great that you have all of these things. And you have amassed a large church with lots of people. That's wonderful. I thank God for those kinds of things. And, but my problem with that statement is, if God can help you build that house, and if God can help you pay those salaries, why can't God give you a plan to reach the broken and the destitute around us? Why can't the spirit, the same generosity, ain't nobody can help me tonight, that was on that Samaritan man come into the church today and help us help the broken? and the lost and the destitute and those that are in need. I'll tell you from my standpoint, there are evangelists who have not preached a service in two months almost. There are people around me who told me, Brother Benny, you need to pray for us. We don't have a single service until, until Easter Sunday. And then those have all gotten canceled. I want you to know it doesn't matter if it's good times or bad times. I am a tither. I am a giver. And God is going to make a way for me and I will go a step further Pastor Scott I believe during this time you will not just be okay but you will flourish River of Life I do not believe you will just be okay I believe that you will flourish I believe God will make a way for blessings to come into your life like never before you know we have a little side business that we do and over the past few days we had more things take place in a side business than we have in anything else that we had going on in our life I mean literally finances just rolled in in the past week and that's simply because we are good stewards we are tithers we are givers and God's looking at his sons and his daughters tonight saying I am going to bless you in a time of famine. That's a good place just to shout. I mean, if you're going to shout, that's it right there. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm just going to, whoo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, the spirit of generosity. See, uh, many times we want to be generous to others. We want others to be generous to us, or we want God to be generous to us. But what I have learned is when you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Simple as that. I was in Pella, Iowa. It was Friday night. My son calls me and said, Dad, AJ might be going to the hospital tonight. Looks like she, uh, she's going into labor. So didn't, you know, we didn't know anything for sure. After service, he called me again. I don't remember the exact series of events, okay? And said, Dad, he says, yeah, she's going to have the baby tonight. We're uh, on our way to the hospital. My wife was on her way up there. And I'm on the other side of the country preaching the gospel. 
So it was very important for me. I, I, really, I really did. I really prayed. I said, all right, guys. I said, all right, God. I said, I would really like to be there when that baby's born. I said, so if you could just, you know, hold her off. <laughs> Come on. Until I get home. Come on, don't get mad at me, okay? I wasn't praying witchcraft or anything bad. You know, I'm just asking God in your mercy. If you could just let that baby just stay in the oven for a few more days. I said, I know that I'll get home and I can be, because I was not there when my other grandbaby was born. I thought I could be there then. And so this was important to me. Now, uh, I just wanted to be in the vicinity, okay? I just wanted to get in there and hold that baby and kiss his little face and say, Pop Pops loves you. So I have a sugar booger, okay? Now I got a sugar muffin. I wanted a sugar baker, but my wife was sugar muffin. So the next one is a sugar baker. So they've been saying, we're done. I'm like, nah, I couldn't you know, I don't got a sugar baker yet, so you ain't done. And I'm thinking that one's got a boy anointing. Y'all hear where I'm coming from, you know? So anyway, my son calls me, and he's like, Dad, he says, you know, AJ's going into labor. She's starting to have these contractions, and it looks like we're going to be having a baby tonight. And I said, all right, son, this is the deal. I said, your dad would love to be there. I said, please forgive me. And my boy, you know, he has his way. And he says, Dad, I, you know, I, I thought you would be upset because you can't be there. And I said, well, I want to be there. I said, but don't worry about me. I wanted to be there for you, and I want to hold that baby. And, and I said, but I will give you this promise. I said, since I am doing what God's called me to do, God's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of that baby. I want you to know Adrian's going to have a pain-free delivery. That baby's going to be born just like this. It's just going to be smooth and easy. And so I want you to know that I guess I went to bed about 11 o'clock. Uh, this had been going on since 10 o'clock at midnight, I guess a little bit after midnight. You left at midnight, right? Uh, we didn't think anything was going on that night. It looked like she might not have that baby till the morning. But just a little bit after midnight, about two and a half hours after we, I told my son that prophetic word, that baby just came bouncing out. <laughs> You know, no, no problems. In fact, she was born so, so fast that she had a, a little, what do they call them, stork marks or something because she was born so quick, you know, so exactly. And my son calls me. He said, Dad, it was just like you said, but it was because I was taking care of God's business. It is so important that you take care of God's business to whatever extent it is, whatever it costs you. Of course I wanted to be there with my family. I could have left. I could have told the pastor, Pastor, I love you, but I'm going to see that grandbaby. He wouldn't have cared. He'd have patted me on the back and said, Brother Benny, you go, and God be with you. I could have called my next meeting. I got a grandbaby about to be born. Can we reschedule? They would have patted me on the back and said, Brother Benny, we'd love to have you back at another time. But I knew how important it was to be at the right place at the right time. And though my heart may have been over here, I knew I was where God wanted me to be, doing what God wanted me to do. So I don't care what's going on in the nation. I don't know what the government has said or what the states have said. If we are doing what God has told us to do, and we are following his will and our, his word with our whole heart. I want you to know God will protect you. God will take care of you. God will see you through and he will bless you. And he will prosper you coming in, going out, rising up, lying down. And he will cause a spirit of generosity to fall on your life. Think about how awesome that is to have a spirit of generosity everywhere we go. That means, uh, I, I, I know I've shared some of these things before, but, but I, was at, uh, I was at Sprint uh, back, uh, back last year at Christmas time. And I was, uh, that's, that's when we renew our phone contracts. So we went in and was seeing what kind of uh, uh, upgrades we qualified for and was going to get a new phone. And, and uh, 
All of a sudden, this lady comes in a sprint and hands me $100 and walks out. So spirit of generosity, there is an angel with an open wallet around me. And when I go places, those kinds of things happen. Now, that's not a sometimes thing. It's an all-the-time thing. That kind of stuff happens to me all the time. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it is, it's not because I'm this great person, not because I'm a great preacher. There are people that pray more than me. There are people that fast more than me. They do more for me, for the Lord. They're more ambitious and all these other things. But I love God with my whole heart, and I have asked him, God, I just want to be in your will. And wherever, wherever I land, I just want to land in your will. And so that brings us to the story that I read to you just a few moments ago about the Good Samaritan. And we've preached this many times, but it was not until just a few weeks ago that I saw what I want to share with you tonight. And so the Bible says that there was a man who was walking down the road one day, and thieves come, and they pummel him, and they beat him to a point of, uh, of almost death, and then they strip him naked. So we have a naked Jewish man laying on the side of the road. Now, all of us know that, uh, that nudity to a Jew is, is almost blasphemous. I mean, it's just, uh, it, there is such shame that comes with it. We all see these beautiful pictures of Jesus on the cross. And we see him depicted with the, with the loincloth wrapped around him. And I know that's just to be polite, okay? But that's not how Jesus hung on the cross. They stripped him naked. They wanted to shame him, humiliate him in every way possible. And so to have this man stripped and beaten and left bleeding on the side of the road was unbelievable. And so all of a sudden, here comes the priest. Now, again, I think it's interesting because there are so many parallels to our Christian walk and who Jesus is to us in this story. It is unreal because the thief came and stripped him of his glory. And I believe if we go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, that's what Satan did. I don't know. You know, we see these beautiful pictures once again of Adam and Eve wearing these fig leaves. Man, they've got the most beautiful fig leaves you could ever imagine. There must have been a J.C. Penny fig leaf just down the road or a Macy's fig leaf. Uh, four points and a stem just right over here. And they could go in and they could buy a, buy a beautiful fig leaf and cover their private parts. You know, I mean, it just seems like that's what they must have done. But uh, how many of you know in the Bible times, I don't believe that there was any shame. When Adam and Eve walked in that garden, I don't think there was a shame of being naked. They did not look at themselves and say, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I don't have the right muscle tone, I don't look like the girl on a J.C. Penny fig leaf, and, and uh, she didn't judge herself according to any of those things. She just uh, walked in the glory of God, and their covering, I believe, according to the word of God, was the glory of God. And the enemy didn't want to come and make them see themselves naked. He wanted to come and take the glory of God away from them. But at the cross, Jesus came to bring the glory of God back to us. I believe the church has got it mixed up. We're seeking all of these things. But what we need to seek is the glory, God's manifested presence in our life. And man, when we get into glory, stuff's going to start happening. And uh, that's what the enemy wanted to do. Want to strip them of their glory. Take God's presence away from them. And all of a sudden, we know we get into all the logistics of it, but Adam and Eve, the fall comes. And God comes walking through the garden. Do you think God, when he's talking to Adam and Eve, does not know what has transpired? He knows. Adam, 
Eve, where are you at? I think if I would have been in that moment, I would have realized, I don't think I'll ever be able to walk with God this way again. I think I would have been at his feet crying out, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've messed up so bad. I've fallen so short. But they cried out, God, we, we've hid ourselves because we're naked. We've lost your glory. It's like Samson who shook himself and there was no one like He says, well, who has told you these things? Well, the woman has eaten the fruit and then she convinced me to eat the fruit. And the, the snake, the deceiver, has told us all these things and brought this knowledge into our lives. So God being God recognized they need a covering. Every one of us need a covering. That's why God gives us a pastor. And River of Life's got an awesome pastor because God recognizes you need a covering. You need a covering. I know in the house, in the house, the family unit, God, God gives us a covering. That is, uh, that husband covers that family and prays for that family. And, and pastor gets in the glory for us. And comes in and brings the glory to the house. And teaches us how to walk according to the word of God. So that glory can be restored in our life again. And God comes walking in. Adam, where are you at? You've lost your glory, son. And so I believe God went and found, uh, found this beautiful animal. And he spilled its blood. And he brings that blood-covered cloak to Adam and Eve. And he covers their nakedness with that blood. Once again, talking about the very thing that Jesus did for us at Calvary. The Lamb of God's blood was shed. And that blood covered our shame. It covered our nakedness. There he lay. There he was hung, hanging on the cross naked. But that nakedness covered our shame and our humility and our humanity to say that you no longer have to have fear to come in the presence of God again you can come and experience his glory the veil was ripped and there's no longer a separation between us and God and the thief came and stripped them of their glory and so the thief came and stripped the Samaritan of his glory took his clothes off and beat him wounded and broke him and all of a sudden I believe that somebody helped me I, 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 I believe the priest comes by first is that right priest makes his way by and he looks and recognizing if I touch him, I might become unclean. And so he comes and he sees him and he goes way to the other side of the road. That's what he, the priest represents religion. That's what religion will always do. Religion will go to the other side of the road and get as far away from that dirtiness and that shame and that nakedness as possible because they don't want to get any of that on their life. Friend, we have got to be a church that reaches out to the broken, that reaches out to the naked and the destitute and the sad and the broken and those that have nobody else. You might be the only Jesus they ever see. We had a, we had a lady, we had... 2001, that summer, we had an awesome revival breakout when we first started pastoring. We'd just been there since, uh, I guess we've been there since March. I've been there since March. And in, uh, in uh, April, we had a revival. And God, God moved and did some things, but we had a breakout revival in the month of June. We went the whole month of June. We had revival every day but Saturday. People came from everywhere. 
we went down to the Salvation Army. I don't know how active the Salvation Army here, but in Waterloo, it was amazing. Salvation Army there had all kinds of people that were displaced and hungry and had no place to live. We'd go down, pick them up, bring them to church. And we got them saved and got them full of the Holy Ghost and got them jobs and helped them get houses. Well, um, uh, now all, not all of our growth came from those places, but a lot of it did. So we literally went from a church of about 15, 20 people to by the end of the summer, I think the last service, uh, last uh, uh, first Sunday of September, we had about 150 people, and we had grown from, uh, uh, again, 15, 20 people to 150 people from uh, uh, March until September of 2001. It, we were a mess, though. I mean, we were. We had fights breaking out in the parking lot. They were unchurched people. I mean, listen, we had some folks get into a fight out in the pastor, out in the church parking lot. We had this big pine tree. And this one girl grabbed this other girl by her weave and grabbed the weave and threw it up in the tree. That weave was in that tree for months. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I thought, I ain't touching that. I don't know what that is. And somebody's like, Pastor, that's a weave. And I says, What's a weave? You know, it's, it's something you put in your hair. You know, I don't have a weave, you know, but never had a weave, you know. Pastor, you got a weave. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, um, so man, we had some stuff. We had these. We had this old, this old skinny guy, old skinny messed up guy, messed up in life, and, and had these two girls fighting over him. And they got over. They got a fight in the front, uh, fight over this guy out in the foyer of the church. And uh, I had to go to him. I had to break it up. And this one lady, she came in the sanctuary yelling at folks. We had revival now. <laughs> you ain't got revival until hell gets stirred up. When hell gets stirred up, you know you've had revival. Man, we had hell stirred up all around us, you know. And these two girls are fighting in the floor, and I had to come in and break it up. And the one just would not stop. And she came back the next night and grabbed the girl in the foyer again. And I went to her, and I told her, listen, I love you, but if you can't behave yourself, you can't come back. You know, somebody said you told them you couldn't come back to church. There comes a time when we got to draw a line and say, if you're going to cause trouble, we just need to tell you goodbye. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't like she was chewing gum, okay? She was beating people up. All right, don't, get, don't judge me. I felt that little judginess going on. Somebody online probably. And uh, I said, I love you, but if you can't behave yourself, you can't come back. The next night, she snuck in in a group of people. Now have you know she grabbed that girl coming in the over some old skinny man. Wasn't, wasn't, didn't have no job. Didn't, uh, you know, was struggling. He was mean on drugs. And there they are fighting over this old guy. I'm like, why don't you both throw him out? And, and so I uh, finally started a fight again. I went to her and I told her, sis, listen, I love you, but uh, you can't come back acting like that. You know, so you're just going to have to find yourself another church. I guess that did it. She got mad at me and didn't come back. Well, I told her not to come back, so I don't know who won that fight. <laughs> but, uh, but she sure showed me. So in the middle of this, we got this precious young lady. Now, come on, don't judge me, y'all. Can we just be okay tonight? We just, you know, uh, I grew up on the south side. I don't know what that means around here, but that was the bad side of town where I grew up. You know, we had people, you know, having gun and knife fights out in front of my house all the time. It was regular business. You know, that was just the order of the day. So as a pastor, I drew in a rough crowd, okay? But we got them saved, full of the Holy Ghost. And they, it took some time, but they got cleaned up, you know? You know, it's rough when you can't let folks testify because they're going to cuss. You've got to tell them, you can testify, but don't cuss. You know, they're like, Pastor, we don't cuss. You do. I know you don't think it's cussing, but you cussing, you know. 
I did, man. Tell folks that, you know. And uh, um, <laughs> Lord help me. Um, this girl comes in, and she comes in in a tube top and a miniskirt. And uh, she comes, I need to watch my words, okay? She comes walking into church, and she's sitting in the back. And that the uh, pastor, you am I telling the truth? I mean, you, we had an interesting life. Listen, people talk about ministry, and uh, we've had a blast. <laughs> I got some good stories. You know, people say, "Brother Benny, you tell a lot of stories." I've been at this a long time, and I have seen some stuff, you know, and still seeing stuff. She comes walking in in a tube top and a mini skirt, and uh, well, well, I was getting to that, Pastor Baker, Judah, but <laughs> she just throws it out there. She was a stripper, you know, and um, she comes in and. Um, man, she comes down, she gives her heart to Jesus, I mean, completely transformed. And uh, the next night, that s the same woman comes in in a pantsuit. I mean, she, she looks so nice, you know. You would, you'd have never known her lifestyle. Radically transformed by the power of God. Uh, comes in and she comes up to the front and she says, Brother Benny, you know what my prayer is? I need a new job. And that's something completely transformed by the power of God, Pastor Scott. Um, we got to reach those people. I had to, we, had, we had to go through some fights. You know, I had to, I had to play referee a time or two. You know, um, we had one night in youth, there was a young person that went after, I'll just be honest, the full of the devil attacked my wife. And we had uh, somebody down there, an assistant that was helping her, and grabbed him as he lunged for her or grabbed her as, as uh, this girl lunged for my wife and was able to stop, and they prayed and, and dealt with that old devil and, and was, hey, man, we've, we've been through some stuff, you know. So we got to reach those people. we got to. Somebody's got to reach them. But the religious, the, 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 the religious folks will never reach them because they don't care. That's, that's beneath me. We had, I probably shouldn't tell this, but being me, I'm going to tell it anyway. We had this, uh, we had a guest come through the church one time years ago, and we, uh, oftentimes, in my ministry, people give me stuff, okay? They'll give me things. They'll give me um, necklaces, rings. I've got gobs of rings that, uh, that people have given me. Uh, I've got this watch. Now, Scott, I, I have this every time I preach. It has fallen apart. As you can see, the, the faces broke off of it. I had a new band put on it, and the band broke again. I've carried this for years. An old prophet gave this to me. I said, Brother Benny, this has been around the world with me as I preach the gospel. So I want to give this to you as just a symbol of that anointing. It was, in, it was intact when he gave it to me. And he said, but as a symbol of the anointing, he said, I want you to keep this on your person whenever you preach. Carry it everywhere. Just, just, a, little, just a little reminder of how good God is. And um, it's um, generosity. Generosity, people have a heart of generosity. And the Bible says that this man on the side of the road, this religion, just went walking by. Religion will leave you where you are. When the Spirit of Jesus comes by, the Spirit of Christ, things will change. And then, then we have, see, the Spirit of religion would have had us just leave that girl alone. The girl that was fighting with the other girl. She stayed on, was with us almost to the end. She left for about a year. She backslid, came back right before we left and apologized and repented. Pastor Scott, I'll never forget what she said to me. We went to Olive Garden and had dinner. And she'd been with us a long time. I mean, we'd seen her kids 
have have kids and brought in grandkids and you know they meant a lot to our family and they just left one day I didn't know what happened they, they the backslid and I didn't know and this is what she comes to me and she said so brother Benny would, would you still be leaving if we were still here and I said well I don't know how to answer that I said you know I don't, I don't know how God made this decision but I'm following the Lord it's not dependent upon you being here or not and she looked at me and she started crying and she said you don't know how many times you came to me in my dreams and some, maybe some folks don't understand that, but many times I've had dreams where my pastor has come to me and instructed me. And many times the Lord will come to us, the spiritual authorities figure, and talk to us and give us direction and so that we'll, we'll have an understanding that he's there to help us, you know. And so, uh, uh, and then, then when we left, but most folks would have decided, I don't want them fighting folks in the church. <laughs> we brought order, correction. It was hard. Man, those first few years were tough. You know, I, I think we had to ask six people not to come back to the church. Well, most folks are out trying to get people to come in. We had to go to folks and say, we love y'all, and we want to reach you, but you're, you're a troublemaker. Seriously, that's tough stuff. You know, but the, the Bible says to mark those that cause division. So, I'm, but religion will leave you where you are. Religion don't care. Don't care if you're hurting. Don't care if you're broken. Don't care if you're offended. Just leave you where you are. And then the Bible says, and then the, what's the next person that came by? Who? Levi. Levi comes walking by. That's tradition. Tradition will leave you right where you are. Tradition will tell you it matters about how uh, long your hair is. Religion will tell you it's what kind of clothes that you wear. Religion will tell you it's this way. That's the only way we can do it. How many of you know religion never saved anybody? Religion does not save us. Now, I, I believe in traditions, okay? We have good traditions. A friend of mine preached a message. He went through the law of God and uh, separated the things that were law and the things that were tradition. And as he separated, he found out there wasn't so many things that were so hard as he thought after all because there were so many things that we had made law or gospel that were simply tradition. Um, you're untraditional tonight because you're meeting on a Saturday night. That's not traditional church. Now, more and more churches are doing that, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think that's awesome, you know. But, uh, but this, it's, it's not traditional. Uh, you know, uh, growing up, I was taught that you had to wear a, a black suit and a white shirt and a black tie, and uh, if you didn't look like a mortician, you could not preach the gospel. I remember one time I went to my mom. I said, well, the pastor got a new tie today. And she got on to me and said, don't say that. And I said, Why? And she said, because people might think he's got money to buy a tie. I thought, as a little kid, I thought, that is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't like care if he's got money to buy a tie or not. I sure don't. Um, tradition. Tradition will keep you right where you are and not care. Tradition doesn't care about your family. It doesn't get people saved. It get... Now, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be real, okay? So I believe in holiness. I do. I believe we should strive for holiness. But in there's a fine line between being religious and being holy. But I think when we're, just, just hear me, okay? We're trying to be holy. And we err just a touch on being religious, but we're trying to be holy. I'd rather do that than have that anything goes kind of mentality. I, I know that, I know there are a lot of folks that might disagree with me on that. But I would rather be known as the guy that prays and I read my Bible and I study and I seek God and I, and I fast. And, you know, coming in this weekend, you know, I've been telling my wife I start a fast tomorrow night. 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't say that to build Benny Baker up. I say it because it's relevant. But I, I start a fast tomorrow night. It's just a three-day fast. But I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to take three days away, Pastor, and I'm just going to tuck myself away, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to get in his presence. And if that's religion, then call me religious. But that's not religious. I am pursuing God. I am a man in pursuit. And we've got to recognize the difference between a person in pursuit because I know folks who think uh, if you don't drink, you're religious. If you don't cuss or curse, you're religious. And that's silliness. I know there are people that think if you, um, if you don't dress a certain way, you're religious or do a certain thing. Listen, I'm as free in a tie and I'm free outside of a tie. It don't matter to me. I go to churches that do it all. I usually have to go in. I have a tie and a suit out in my car. Because if I go into a church and the pastor's wearing a suit and tie, guess what? I'm changing. <laughs> Come on, don't get mad at me. I'm not, try, not trying to fit in or be fake. I want to be me, but I also want to honor the house. And usually I'll text the pastor, what do you all wear? The other week I texted a pastor. This way he tells me. I said, what do you guys wear, you know, on Sunday morning? He said, Brother Benny, I am, I am five feet tall. And he says, I am five feet around. He said, that's what he tells me. He said, could you see me in a suit? I know what to say because I'm laughing by now, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Trying to be political, you know. I don't know. You don't wear suits? Because <laughs> he's still not answering my question, you know. He's like, man, last time I looked, wore a suit, I looked like a penguin. And he said, he says, so no, buddy. He says, I wear some jeans. He says, I can't find jeans my size. I have to roll them up. And I just wear sweaters. And I mean, he's got me tickled, you know. And, you know, he's like, if you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. If you don't want to wear a suit, don't wear a suit. But if you expect me to wear one, buddy, I ain't wearing one, you know. And uh, he said, I used to try and do that. And he said, but, you know, he said that the cuff of his pants was the size of his waist, <laughs> you know. Um, I better move on. Um, but religion will throw that man out. Religion will say he can't be anointed. Uh, tradition will say that man can't be anointed and can't do what God's called him to be, do and be who God's called him to be. Religion and tradition will leave us where we are. But then all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes walking by. And this is where, where God's, I learned something I've never learned before. So what is a Samaritan person? We know, well, that's a person that comes from Samaritan, right? We know that Jesus met a woman at a well, you know, who was a Samaritan. And so there's lots of Samaritans throughout the Bible, but this is a good Samaritan. And, and so he's different than other folks. So what it is, is when a Gentile man uh, is uh, with a uh, 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 when a Jewish man is with a Gentile woman and they reproduce and that seed goes into the ovary of a Gentile woman, it produces a Samaritan. So think about this for a moment. When the seed of a Jew gets into a Gentile, it produces a Samaritan. That is a picture of us in Christ. That's a picture of that Christian. And so here we are, and we're walking by, we see that person in need. God has blessed us. God has done great things in our life, and we can help him. So we go and we load him up and we clothe him. We cover him up. How many of you know love covers a multitude of sins? See, now, that does not just apply to your neighbor or the person on the street. You know, if, uh, if uh, uh, Sister Brienne, if you fall short, you know, you're the praise and worship leader, and you're up there in front. 
we should love you so much that if you fall short, and you hadn't or anything like that, but we should love you so much that we take the covering of love and we throw it over you and we say we love you and you if, if you've fallen or messed up or you're in need, we're going to cover you. The same should be for every believer. That person sitting next to you, we should love them so much and say if you've messed up, if you've fallen short, we're going to take this cloak of love, we're going to throw it over you and we're going to help you get better. But the same should be for our past. We should have so much love and compassion for our pastor that we should say maybe maybe you fell short or I didn't I didn't agree with something or whatever but we are like that good Samaritan man where the seed of a Jew got inside of a Gentile and we took that cloak of love we threw it over him and said no matter what I love you that's 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 God's picture of love of being a good neighbor. And so the Bible says that he picked him up, he put him on his animal. I don't know what his condition was. He was filthy, he was bloody, he was beaten. At this point, people had walked by, some time had gone by. He had probably soiled himself, he stunk. But he loved him enough to pick him up, put him on his animal, and bring him to a safe place. And the Bible says, now I'm almost done, okay? You ready? Hold with me. He'll hang with me just another five minutes. 5, 10, 15, 20, 20. I got plenty of time. I'm good. All right. So uh, that's, that's an old one, but y'all fell for it. Um, but uh, so they get him, and they, they bring him to this inn. And the, he goes into the innkeeper, and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take care of him. I want you to make sure he is well. If he needs anything, I'll take care of it. And so he lays the pence down. And then he lays another pence down. And it's very important. So you know what a pence is? A pence is a day's wage. And he says, day one, I'm going to take care of it. And day two, I'm going to take care of it. But on day three, I will return. It's a picture of Christ. He said, day one, I'm going to cover your wounds. I'm going to cover your iniquities. I'm, I'm going to cover your sin. I'm going to heal your body. On day two, I'm going to go to that place that you don't have to go. But on day three, I'm going to come back and everything that needs to be covered, I'm going to cover it with my blood and with my presence and, and know that I love you. And so on day three, he said, make sure if there's anything left that is owed, I'll pay it. Woo! Jesus said on the cross, I'm covering your sin. On that, that, uh, that, 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 that second day, I might be down in that grave, but on day three, when I come out, every debt that has been owed, everything, I'm gonna pay a debt that I did not owe, that you could not pay, and for, a, for an eternity, I'm gonna cover your sins with my blood. Man, I don't know about y'all, but that, that's some good stuff right there. We, uh, we need to recognize that we need to be like Jesus. So I said, who is the good Samaritan then? Is it Jesus? No, I believe it's the Spirit of Christ. I believe it's the Spirit of God that gets inside of us as believers and pushes us and propels us to do the will of the Father. Amen? So if you'll stand to your feet with me, I'm all done preaching tonight. <clears throat> Lord, I just love you and I thank you Thank you for this word.